Hello, and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And today, we're here with a little feedback episode for you. That's right. Every third week, we share some of the stories you, our listeners, have shared with us about the topics we've most recently covered on the show. Because a lot of you write in and have a lot of great things to say. So today's topics are TV dining and skycology. I love a pun. But let's start off with all of you who have thoughts on TV dining. Yes, yes. A lot of you wrote in to say that, like Dean and Kristen, you fully embrace meals in front of the TV. Yes. Savannah says, my boyfriend and I eat dinner while watching TV almost every night. We both have very interpersonal and emotionally draining jobs. And as much as we love talking about our day, we found that we need something to decompress. We love to pick a new show to watch together beginning to end and basically make it the theme of our household. We're currently watching Suits and are using a lot of legal jargon. It's a ritual that helps us connect more passively before we connect more intentionally, which we usually do by talking about our day or whatever is on our mind in bed before sleep. TV dinners are our favorite part of the day. I like that, though. I mean, we've all done it. When Brad and I were watching The Bear, we did a lot of like behind, behind, corner, corner. That show's too stressful for me. I can't watch that show. (laughs) We did a lot of pretending we were frazzled chefs. So yeah, (laughs) it's fun. It's fun. Vicky wrote in to say, my partner and I almost always watch TV whilst eating. It's not the 1950s, so I'm not in the kitchen laboring and then delivering a plate to him at dinner time. We prep dinner side by side as a team and chat about our days. That's followed by dinner time, relaxing in front of the TV, watching a streamed program we've chosen together. Yeah, Vicky, I think that is bringing up such a good point. The fact that you and your partner are already spending time side by side You don't necessarily have to reconnect at the dinner table when you've just spent 20 or 30 minutes preparing a meal together as a team, working together, talking about your day. So I think a lot of people are under the impression that if you don't sit down at a table together without TV, you'll never talk to each other. And clearly, in your case, that's not true at all. Right. Because maybe you were standing up talking to each other a few minutes prior. Yes. Sarah says, my kids are teens and we eat together almost every night in front of the TV. We watch Jeopardy and call out answers. This has led to some of the funniest conversations and silly family jokes. Whenever countries in Africa comes up, for example, my oldest calls out Chad. And the one time Chad was the answer, he didn't say it and I beat him to it. We still laugh about this years later. Every family is different and this works for us. I love a good yelling at the TV game show moment. Me too. One of my favorites, Antiques Roadshow. Not even a game show. No, but you guessed the prize. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my mom and I used to do that. Yeah, it's so relaxing. The show is like not stressful in the slightest. Really easy to eat a meal with. And then, yeah, yelling out prices. (laughs) Yes. Ruth wrote in to say, I have no guilt about eating in front of the TV, and I actually need to because I have a misphonic response to eating noises, my own and others. Ah, yes. Other folks wrote in to say that they also have medical or diagnosable reasons why the TV is just a best friend during meals. We heard from people with autism who say that it's very helpful to not have to just sit and make eye contact and think about, (laughs) am I doing the best food manners and using the right, you know, cutlery? And am I using my mouth right while I'm trying to connect with you? And being able to focus on something other than all of that food stress can really make a difference. 
Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm all for it. Whether there's a name for why you need to have the TV on or whether it's just something you enjoy, I think there's a lot of great reasons for it. Right. But Kristen, on the other hand, we did have a good amount of listeners who wrote in to say that while they do watch TV at mealtimes, they sometimes feel guilty about it. Yes. Nicola says, my kiddos eat dinner much better if they're engaged in a show, and it's something I feel guilty about. But it works. They're not rushing off to get back to their downtime because they can have it while they eat. I'm exhausted. I have two jobs. My kids have a million extracurriculars. And it's so nice to sit down to relax with the TV over dinner. Why feel guilty if it works? Do I feel guilty about putting my pants on one leg at a time instead of hopping into them? Nah. Because it works. But you're not alone because Ellen also feels a little bit of guilt. Totally. Ellen says, by the time we are home from work and school and have gotten dinner together, we are too wiped out to have meaningful conversation around the table. So we end up eating on the couch, watching something we can enjoy. Sometimes we'll talk over the show. Other times we're really into it. And occasionally we're all total zombies. I actually had a lot of guilt around it at first, but I've come to realize that there's no morality tied to a certain dinner routine. Beautifully put. Indeed. I think that we're all sent that messaging that we're supposed to do things a certain way, but that doesn't mean that we have to do things a certain way. Exactly. Some of you shared stories of why and how the TV was welcomed during family mealtimes when you were growing up. Leah said, I so appreciated your recognition that not every household has the time or financial means to sit down for a June Cleaver-style dinner. When I was a kid in the 80s, we sometimes watched TV as a family during dinner. Those evenings were a relief because even if my dad got drunk, he was distracted from the verbal and emotional abuse that he frequently rained down on my mom and me. I could then sneak off to do my homework and have a more or less peaceful night. So TV was like a saving grace and like a very welcome distraction that kept things at bay. Yes. That makes perfect sense. But we did have some other people who wrote in to say that growing up, they wish they'd had less TV at mealtimes. Sasha says, growing up, my mom basically never turned the TV off. Not at dinner, not anytime. She also thought that everything, TV, news, adult conversations, was appropriate for children. She was using the TV to ignore children and disengage. Ooh. Right. Yeah. There's, a, there's a difference between like a shared activity or even just a shared distraction versus a tool to shirk parental responsibilities. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Several of you, regardless of how you grew up, decided to have a strict rule in your own household to have no TV during mealtimes as an adult. Mm. Jennifer says, we've had family dinners with no distractions since our kids were little, and they enjoy it more than ever now that they're teens. In fact, if we don't get a chance to eat together at a normal time, we find ourselves sitting at the table anyway, talking when we're all home. It's such a comforting ritual that keeps us connected. Oh, that's sweet. That is sweet. And Lauren wrote in to say, we have a strict no phone, no TV, no books rule at dinner. My kids, especially my younger one, will simply forget to eat if there's a screen. Mm. Mm, yeah, yes. that's definitely true. Screens, books, sometimes you get so immersed in them, you forget there's a plate of food in front of you. Yeah, and... I think it's great that you're just thinking of what works best for your kids, you know? Right we, right. we should all be doing that. Even though this may work best for this family that watches Jeopardy, in our household, this works best for our kids. So right. 
whatever works for you. No judgment here from us. Heck no. And finally, a few of you wrote in to say that our episode helped you examine your own ideas about TV and eating. Yes. Margaret says, thank you for bringing up the fat phobic body shaming aspects behind anti-TV dining arguments, i.e. mindless food consumption will make you fat and therefore it's unhealthy. As you make clear, this is overstated and misguided. So while listening to the show, I came to consider that my own resistance to TV dining, however minimal, is likely internalized fat phobia because I can't come up with any other way watching TV would actually and directly affect the healthiness of your eating habits. Right. Such a good point. And Marla wrote in to say, I was raised with no TV for a good bit of my childhood, so occasionally I consider it a waste of time to be watching a couple hours of TV at dinner time. However, I'm working hard to decouple my value from my productivity, and this is part of that journey. So everyone watch Severance so we can talk about it. oh my gosh i have been very intrigued by severance brad watched it he really enjoyed it i love a good john Turturro moment so like i'll definitely be checking that out while i eat food probably yeah dean and i have devoured all the episodes of severance we love that show and i love what marla by the way what you're saying here about decoupling productivity from your self-worth it's like Remember when people used to say, I'm not a human being, I'm a human doing. And it's like, you know what? It's okay to just be a human being. You don't have to be a human doing all the time. God, just relax. It's fine. Yeah. You can human do elsewhere, please. Yes. (laughs) I only want a human be, and I only want to be surrounded by human beings. (laughs) All right. Let's take a break. Let's take a break before I get into more 90s sayings. Quick reminder, (laughs) you can always share your stories with us at kristenandjalenta at gmail.com, or you can leave a little comment on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Groups slash Kristen Angelenta. Coming up, your thoughts on Skycology. Stay with us. Hey, everyone, we're back. And now let's hear some of your many thoughts on Skycology. Yes. Several of you wrote in to say you already look to the sky for a mood boost. City says, my personal motto is there's always time to look at a pretty sky. I have many photos of the sky on my phone. LOL. To me, it's just the feeling of being so small in the world and that this moment of beauty will pass. So you should stop and appreciate it. There's always beauty if you look for it. Ah, yeah. I love that last sentence, City. There's always beauty if you look for it. And the sky can be such a great reminder of that. The sky just, you never know what it's going to do either. It can be storm clouds. It can be stars at night. It can be beautiful clouds rolling by. There's always something happening up there. So yeah, why not look up and enjoy that moment? Just look for a little bit of beauty. But Beth wrote in to say something that makes me a little bit sad. Beth says, I agree with the idea of Skycology, but I have a strong aversion to the name. Beth, I just am going to say here, this is an excellent pun. And the way Jolenta says the word Skycology makes me smile. It it makes my heart (laughs) laugh. My stomach is rolling with joy because it's so corny. (laughs) I mean, I kind of agree with Beth a little bit. 
like part of me wants to like be like fuck that notion <laughs> just because the name is kind of corny you know i want to be like skycology whatever i'm corny though i like i know <laughs> but then the other part of me is just so tickled but i understand fully where you are coming from beth <laughs> What I thought was really interesting, Kristen, was that a number of listeners wrote in to say that the sky doesn't quite do it for them, or that's not like the whole picture. Yes, I love these responses. Aloysius says, I've definitely felt all the benefits listed in the episode while looking at the sky, but only when in the context of being outside and more immersed in nature as a whole. It's not the same when I'm looking out of the window of my flat. All I can see is sky out of one of my windows when I'm sitting on the couch. And at the time of writing this, it's just blank white space with no context. I need the sense of expanse and the trees wafting in the breeze and the fresh air in my lungs for it to work for me. Oh, Aloysius. Apartment living. It can be tough. As I mentioned in the episode, I had an apartment where all I could see was about an inch of sky if I stood at a certain window at a certain angle. And that little tiny bit of sky just didn't do it for me. But, you know, now that I have a different apartment and I can look through my back windows on my little back balcony, even if I'm not on the balcony itself, it does really feel good to see all of that sky and with the context of all the brownstones I can see in the backyards and the trees. Mm. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Having that context of something else with that bit of a sky, it can make a big difference. Right. Sarah says, the sky is amazing, but I get my feelings of awe from the woods. I can be all out of sorts and going into the woods will do a lot to help me sort myself out. That said, if you made a sticker that said certified skycologist, I would be all for it. My water bottle needs it. Who doesn't love a good sticker, especially when it says you're certified in something that you cannot be certified in? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm just going to interject here and say we do have how to be fine stickers, though at podswag.com slash be fine. So we do have stickers for your water bottle if you true. want them. True. Yeah. They do not say certified psychologists. They say how to be fine. Yes. And we also have sippy cups there too. So if you're a sippy true. cup user like me and you want a sticker on your sippy cup, those are also available at podswag.com slash be fine. So we hope you check those out. We hope all of you do. Also, a few of you wanted to point out additional reasons looking at the sky might make us feel better, which is very cool. Yeah. Stacy says, I think there are two other factors that weren't mentioned. One is that focusing on distant things when you've been focusing on close up things like screens, books, the ground at your feet can help relieve some stress. And the second is that looking up is known to have a small happiness boost effect. So even looking at the top of a distant skyscraper could probably help. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. Now I want to go try that and be like looking up at a faraway building and being like, is the up and far away helping? <laughs> Jolenta, let's go to the Williamsburg Bank building. Yeah, the Williamsburg Savings Bank. Yes. Uh, like let's just tower. go there and look up. For those outside of New York, that was the tallest building in Brooklyn for like, I don't know, 50 years. For a long time until the skyline was very recently ruined by high rises. Don't get us started. <laughs> oh, we don't love them as much as we should, do we? No. No. I think we're supposed to be in awe of those new high rises, but we're not yet. <laughs> not quite yet. <sighs> 
Oh, and Kristen, I wanted to get to one more thing. This note we got from Laura, who pointed out that I was maybe a little too hard on the Skycology study that had four subjects. Yes. Laura says, I really enjoyed this most recent episode. I do, however, feel the need to defend the research. I have had a quick look at the original research, and I think it's important to point out the research is an interpretive phenomenological analysis. So having four participants in the study is quite acceptable. It's important to recognize that qualitative and quantitative research are aiming to achieve different things. There were no statistics in the study because it is not aiming to prove a truth. Instead, it was trying to establish the experience of the participants. I'm not sure I've done the best job of explaining this, but it is important that we don't expect qualitative research to do the same thing as quantitative research. Laura, you are so right. I was too focused on the numbers. I wanted that quantitative data, and I forgot that qualitative studies like have to be in the mix, especially often before we get the quantitative studies. First, we have to acknowledge like a phenomena could be happening before we see how many people are experiencing it. So you are right. I may have jumped the gun. I may have been looking for things to criticize, perhaps. <laughs> and I really latched on to that for participants when there are plenty of very valid, very real and researched qualitative studies that have like four or five participants at first. But Jolenta, in your defense, there are also a lot of quack studies, especially designed to sell products to us right. that pretend that six people are representative of all of us or pretend that 12 people are all of us. And who pretend they're getting like significant statistical findings from a sample size of 10 people. Exactly. So I just want to back you up, Jolenta, and say, I always also am a little skeptical when I see small study participant numbers because it just, you know, it's so often used to negative ends, these small studies. Right, especially in the self-help realm. Especially. You get these quote-unquote studies that were done by the people who are selling you the product and with a small handful just to have results skewed in their favor. Exactly. So, yes. It is something to definitely keep an eye on, but also, like, not be too harsh harsh on, perhaps. Yeah. All right. We're going to take one more quick break, but when we're back, we have the results of a survey we took with all of you. Stay with us. We are back. And now, Kristen, let's get to that survey you were talking about. We have the results of a survey we posted on our private Facebook community. That's right. We put up a poll asking if all of you eat the majority of your evening meals in front of the TV or screen free. And hundreds, literally hundreds of you responded to the survey. Many hundreds of you. Yes, it was very exciting. And you want to know the results? Yeah. Turns out only 37% of you regularly eat your evening meal with the TV turned off and zero screens. That's right. The rest of you watch with TV on or in some cases watching a tablet and mm. occasionally those both plus a phone, some combination of the above. So, yeah. I'm a like TV on phone in hand eater. 
I especially love doing that when I'm watching reality shows, and then I can go on to the Reddit chat areas and see what are other people saying about Love you is Blind. You always <laughs> got to be going in the Reddit, like, to at least to, like, look something up or, yeah, I'm always on Reddit. What What is the secret Kyle is alluding to in this episode <laughs> of Beverly Hills? Ah! What is the true story behind Faith on the Golden Bachelor. Is she really a motorcycle enthusiast or did she just do that to look sexy to our bachelor? Right. Or just who's that actor? What do I know them from? Get your phone out. Look them up. Yep. (laughs) I have so many thoughts on phone usage. Kristen, we might have to make this another hot topic like phones and eating or something. I love that idea. Love it. Yeah. we, We might have to make that happen. All right. Let's get on it. That's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thanks to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder, we love a good rating and review. Look down at wherever you're listening in your little pod player on your phone. Hit five stars. Say why you like the show. It helps people find the show. Another way to help people find the show is by telling them about it, because who doesn't love word of mouth? So tell a friend about us. Also, we just want to give a huge shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. All of you have just been so great continuing to support us at patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. We are technically not listen to buy the book anymore, even though patreon.com slash listen to buy the book makes it sound like we are. But one thing we do do is release weekly book episodes where Jolenta and I talk about what we're reading each week. Jolenta, you and I are both voracious readers. We read everything from self-help to celebrity memoirs to, in your case, Jolenta, investigations into alien visitors. So mm-hmm. yeah, check out patreon.com slash listen to buy the book to hear our weekly episodes when we talk about what we're reading this week. Until next time, I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher. 